Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Income podcast series. My name is Michele Napolitano. I'm a senior director in Fitch's Sovereign Group and I head up the Western European Sovereign Team. Last Friday, we affirmed Ireland's sovereign rating at single A+, with a stable outlook. Today, I am joined by Alex Muscatelli, a member of our Western Europe team and the leading analyst covering Ireland. So, Alex, the general election on the 8th of February brought about essentially a freeway tie among the two parties that have traditionally dominated Irish politics, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, and Sinn Féin, a leftist nationalist party. Are we surprised by this development? Good morning, Michele. Well, looking back at the opinion polls from last December, just before outgoing Taoiseach Leo Varadkar called the election, it definitely is a surprise. But over the course of the campaign, Sinn Féin's polling increased steadily, and on the eve of the vote, they were polling in line with the other two main parties. We are not political analysts or experts, but I think that the more surprising aspect of the election result was not just the result, the good result of Sinn Féin, but also the Greens and smaller parties through the combination of first and second and third preference votes. This has brought about a fragmented doll, the lower house of the Irish Parliament, and makes the formation of a government more challenging. So what happens next, Alex? Parliamentary arithmetic means that two out of the three largest parties have to cooperate to form a government, either through a coalition or a supply and confidence arrangement, as was the case with the previous government, where we had a minority coalition of Fine Gael and independent Teshtidolas, uh, members of parliament, but with Fianna Foil allowing it to be in government. Sinn Féin's leader, Mary Lou Macdonald, soon after the election, called for a left-leaning government without either Fianna Foil or Fine Gael. But the numbers look challenging. This would be short of at least a dozen TDs. A grand coalition of Fianna Foil and Fine Gael requires further support. And during the campaign, and also after, both Fianna Foil and Fine Gael ruled out arrangements with Sinn Féin. And Michal Martin, the Fianna Foil leader, has been very explicit about this. So we will have to see. Already after the 2016 election, we had more than two months passing before a government was formed. Negotiations are underway uh, between the parties, and we will see what emerges in, in the coming weeks. Does the uncertainty affect our view on public finances in Ireland? Not in the short run. Public finance data for 2019 point to a substantial surplus for last year that we estimate at 0.4% of GDP, a better outturn than we expected six months ago. As in recent years, there has been an overperformance of tax revenues due to corporation tax receipts, which now account for around 13% of tax revenues. For 2020, the outgoing government's budget envisaged an overall loosening of around 0.2% of GDP. But despite this, we expect a further surplus of 0.5% of GDP. For 2021, we are projecting an unchanged uh, surplus, but we will review this in light of the new government's policy priorities and budgetary decisions. These estimates and projections for the surplus translate to further falls in government indebtedness, It was 63.6% of GDP at the end of 2018. We think it went below 60% last year and that it will fall to around 52% by 2021. Again, with all the caveats around the uncertainty of future government policy. So we have this steady decline, expected to be boosted by some one-offs, such as profit repayments from NAMA, the old bad bank. 
We affirmed Ireland's ratings at single A+, with a stable outlook just last Friday. Given the public finance picture you have just depicted, why have we not taken a positive action then? We acknowledge the better than expected state of the public finances and also the fact that economic growth estimates for 2019 appear stronger than we expected six months ago, with the headline GDP figures corroborated by strong labour market data and falling unemployment. We have therefore revised up our projections for GDP growth this year to 3.5% from 3.1% in the last review. The stable outlook balances strong underlying growth prospects against sizable external risks that face the Irish economy. First of all, although the immediate risk of a no-deal Brexit has dissipated, there is considerable uncertainty about the prospects for the UK and the EU to reach an agreement on their future relationship within the deadline of, of end of the year, and also the form that this relationship will take and its impact on Ireland. Unsurprisingly, the Irish economy is very exposed to developments in the UK, the UK is the second largest single country export destination for its goods, it's the largest for services, and Ireland imports around 20% of goods from the UK. And moreover, this trade with the UK is relatively labour-intensive. Second, and maybe a more medium-term uncertainty, is the potential shifts in international policies on corporate taxation, given the discussions happening at multilateral level, especially in the context of OECD initiatives. The risk here is that changes in taxation may reduce the incentives for foreign direct investment in Ireland. A third minor risk, which is not our baseline case, but that we will monitor over the next few months, is the one deriving by more expansionary fiscal policy. But the extent of fiscal policy loosening would have to be very substantial in order to affect the sustainability of the public finances. This all regards the outlook. When we think about the level of the ratings, the level of the ratings at A+, is underpinned by strong institutions and income per capita among the highest in the A category. Moreover, Ireland's governance and human development indicators compare favourably with both the AA and the A medians. These positive factors are balanced by still elevated levels of public and private debt and the external vulnerabilities we talked about. You mentioned the strong growth dynamics. Are we worried about the economy not just shaking off Brexit fears, but actually overheating? Well, the labour market shows some signs of tightness, with continued strong growth in employment not matched completely by increases in the labour force. So unemployment has continued to fall, and after many years of weak wage dynamics, wage growth has finally picked up, averaging around 3.5% over the course of 2019 on the average earnings measure. On the other hand, other indicators do not suggest a substantial build-up of economic imbalances. The household savings ratio has risen in conjunction with the economic recovery, sectoral balances data corroborate this, and the household balance sheet on the whole is improving, with the household debt-to-income ratio still high, but having fallen by almost 7.5 percentage points in the year to Q3 2019, to just below 116%. Housing. Housing was a big issue during the election campaign. What's happening to house prices in Ireland and what does it mean for our assessment? Annual house price inflation eased significantly in 2019, with house prices rising by 2.4% on average, down from 10.2% in 2018. House prices in Dublin have been falling on an annual basis since August, while prices outside the capital continue to increase at a rate of almost 5%. 
The easing in house prices is, is probably due to a combination of Brexit-related uncertainty, mortgage limits on loan-to-values, and especially loan-to-incomes becoming more binding, and increased supply. Now, the fact that the mortgage measures are binding, together with the level of prices, is an indicator of the difficulties some households face. But on an aggregate level, they can contribute to reduce excess borrowing. And in fact, with the household sector as a whole still deleveraging, the aggregate picture points to fewer risks. Okay, final question, Alex. What can move the ratings of Ireland? We can think of at least three factors that could lead to an upgrade. One is continued strong performance of public finances, leading to further falls in government debt. Two, evidence that the economy is resilient to the impact of Brexit and other external shocks. And then, robust economic growth without the domestic imbalances seen in the run-up to the global financial crisis. Thank you, Alex, for sharing your insights, and thanks everyone for listening. You can access Ireland's latest press release and all of Fitch's sovereign research on our website. We hope you can join us for the next edition of Fixed Interests.